away. So this morning, let's declare this together. How will we leave in greater things? There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. How will we leave in greater things? There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. How will we leave in greater things? There's no power like Jesus, let faith arise, they don't love me, there's no power like His power, there's nothing that I God can do, there's not a mountain that He can move, oh praise the name that makes a way, there's nothing that I jumped for like 30 seconds, not even. I'm already out of breath. But I am so excited. Like I said, welcome to South Hills. You know, I was reading this morning um, about coming before God with the spirit of thankfulness because worship is a way that we can give thanks to God. And so cultivating, you know, gratitude in our lives is really important when it comes to worshiping God because sometimes we don't feel like worshiping, but there's always something that we can be thankful for. And I know I, I work with kids and I'm always reminding them to have gratitude in their lives because a grateful person sees more beauty in their life. And so this morning, I just want you to take a few seconds and begin to thank God for the amazing things that he's done in your life. Begin to thank God for the little things that you see every day. Begin to thank God for all of those things because his love is abundant. He will continue to shower blessings upon you because he loves you. So let's just lift up our voices to him this morning.
again and again in good times and in bad times, in times of joy and happiness and in times of mourning or struggle, Father God, because we know that we can always rely on you. Father God, our soul has found a friend. Father God, we stand here in your presence with hearts full of gratitude, with our hearts full of thankfulness because of not just what you've done for us, which is unfathomable, but Father God, for who you are. We thank you. You are so good. And we thank you for meeting us here in this place this morning where two or more are gathered. You are there. And Father God, your presence is in this place this morning. So Father God, we give you the glory and the honor and the praise that's to your name. And we ask that you would speak to us this morning and anoint Pastor E as he comes to bring the message. Father God, that you would give us ears to hear what you have to speak to us and that our praise would be a sweet sound. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. I just love worshiping with you guys. This is an awesome way to start our week, an awesome, awesome Sunday. Um, well, while you're seated, be sure to smile and wave, and I think Frankie's coming on up. All right. Nobody else sounded excited about that except for Pastor E. <laughs> Good morning, South Hills. How's everybody doing? Good. Amen. That was good. She, something about Chanel is just always so amazing to me. I mean, the whole team is amazing, don't get me wrong. But I always just like, I stare at her the whole time. It's really weird. Um, <laughs> good morning. I have a couple of announcements for you. I'm Frankie. I'm your host. Uh, and it's going to be a wonderful week, guys. And it's going to be an awesome day. So next Sunday, we are going to start our South Hills Kids program back up for both services. So yes, yes. I know all the parents in the house are very excited about that. Um, 9 a.m., we'll have our kids back. 10.30, of course, back to that. I think that schedule didn't change, but we're back to our 9 a.m. service having the kids up there. Yes, and we are still in the process of getting our infant care. Is that what we're going to call it? Inf the infant care, baby care up and running. So if you love babies like I love babies, I might try to do it, but we'll see. Um, we only ask for you to do it in one hour a month. So we're looking for volunteers to get that part of the ministry up and running for the, just to hang out with the baby. Change a diaper or two. Um, I don't know how often they go, but they, um, we're going to start that next week and we're trying to get, again, the baby care up and running. And today is our big day. Today is our culmination, moving up, celebration, happy summer. Look at you. Look what you did to our friends and family, all within our church family. You guys hang out with us after the second service is when we're doing that. This morning, Pastor E was like, so I guess you're not going down the slide, huh? And I was like, Pastor E, that was never going to happen. It was never going to happen. I'm not, I'll, I'll break a leg. Um, I'm very clumsy. So we're going to have lots of fun out there, guys. Food, ice cream, candy, water. Um, please join us, hang out. We can't wait to do it with you guys. Have a great night, day. Have a great day.
the Lord. Alrighty, good morning, good morning, Southfields. It is good to be with you here this morning. And t- today's an incredible morning. Uh, Frankie, where, anybody else up for rapping Frankie and like shrink wrap and just throwing her down the slide? Uh, this after, uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think we can do that. I think we can make that happen. We don't have to worry about her being clumsy. We don't even have to worry about her wearing that dress. Uh, we'll just wrap her up in shrink wrap and just throw her down the chute there. Uh, but uh, today is an incredible day as we get to celebrate and honor our kids moving up. And um, if you are here this morning and you're like, man, I want to be a part of that, hang around. Catch the second service. There'll probably be some things that you missed out in this service that you can definitely catch in the second service. And uh, we have some food. We got some ice cream coming in. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of uh, good times. And so we want to encourage you to come back and hang with us uh, after our 1030 service. Real quickly, last week we had some uh, hiccups uh, with our online stuff, and today we're still having a little bit of hiccups, so if you have friends and family that are wanting to watch, send them over to our YouTube channel. We are streaming live right there on our YouTube channel, but our normal, uh, uh, our normal uh, Santa Clarita Church online is not yet up and running, uh, and we do apologize for that. Uh, today, we are midway through uh, our series. If you're visiting us for the first time or watching us online, my name is Efren Peña. I am the campus pastor here at South Hills Santa Clarita, and it's truly a joy and an honor to have you with us this morning. So like I mentioned before, we are uh, uh, through the midway point of our summer series, Sounds Familiar, and this is a series that is based off of the Mount, Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus' most famous collection of teachings found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Uh, in just this one sermon, Jesus teaches on anger and forgiveness and love and generosity and caring for your neighbors and judgment and the Beatitudes. And today we get, uh, we, we're going to be touching and, and talking about anger, okay? And so today's message is titled, A Slippery Slope Leading to Contempt. A slippery slope leading con- to contempt. Now, uh, as always, I like to start off my message with a question. Try to get your noggin here. Uh, Juice is flowing. But does anyone remember uh, that one kid in elementary school who was always misbehaving in class? That one kid who was always getting in trouble? Yeah. Maybe, maybe you, you, you were that kid. Right? Maybe you were that kid, but man, I remember so vividly the teacher telling the other kids in the classroom to not pay attention to little Efren. To not pay attention to little Efren, not to respond to him because he is just, quote, quote, looking for attention. Me? Never that. But here's the thing it never worked. It never worked. How could it? How could you expect other seven and eight-year-olds to ignore me as I curled my eyelids back, right, and stuck out my tongue? How can you ignore that? You can't. It's impossible, right? You could love little Efren or you could hate little Efren, but ignore little Efren. That's not happening. That's not happening. It's impossible. 
Listen, if your elementary school days and experiences were anything like mine, then it revealed a truth, a truth that Jesus communicated in the Sermon on the Mount many, many, many years ago, and that is cultivating anger towards a person is dangerous, but having contempt for someone is even worse. You see, the goal of contempt is to ignore the other person. And that, my friends, is not bueno. That is no good. When we ignore and pretend like the other person does not exist, that is not what God wants from us. Matthew chapter 5 begins to share Jesus' teaching on this, verse, starting with verse 21. He says, you have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you, and if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Verse 25, when you're on the way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you have paid that last penny. You may have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery, but I say anyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery in her heart. Excuse, with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. You have heard the laws that say a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a, a divorced woman also commits adultery. You have also heard that our ancestors were told you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say do not make any vows do not say by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And do not say by the earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head, for you can't, you can't turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. Now, there's a lot that Jesus unveils in this part of Scripture. He puts a lot of emphasis on this topic. In fact, he spent so much 
time teaching on anger that I believe that we are compelled to kind of lean in, learn, and apply. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like our entire culture, including the church, is addicted to outrage and anger these days. You turn on the TV, you hear the news, you read it, or, or you watch it online, and you will constantly hear about people being angry, about people being outraged about something. Not that it is, there is no just cause, but we hear it very, very often. In fact, anger seems to have become the acceptable, even the expected sign of someone's commitment to any cause these days. If you stand for this, then it better be done in anger. If you don't like that, then you better express it like an angry elf. In other words, your emotions need to come out. I know this will sound crazy, but I've experienced this several times. That if I fail to show enough outrage or anger in a particular message or when I'm sharing my opinion on a hot cultural topic on my social media platforms or even if I choose not to post on that hot topic, I'll receive messages from other Christians who kind of are bothered and angered by my lack of outrage or anger. You follow me? They usually say things like, you don't care about this? You don't care about that? Then why are you saying it like this? Or why did you say it like that? And it sometimes makes me feel that my credibility as a Christian depends on my willingness to showcase my anger. In some Christian communities, particularly online, anger is so prominent and maybe even so sought after that one might be confused and link it to one of the fruits of the spirits. So why is this so accepted amongst us when Jesus clearly warned of anger's toxicity to our soul? Why is, so, is it so easy for us to step into and express our anger? Why is, so, is it so easy for us as believers to kind of show the world how angry we can get? Maybe it's our constant media consumption that has deadened our ability to feel the more subtle human emotions. You see, in this overstimulated environment, only the sledgehammer of anger is able to get our attention. And if we don't use it to convey every emotion, we are kind of like dismissed for not having emotions at all. In other words, if we feel so strongly about something, Whatever the topic may be, if we're not expressing our emotions in a very angry way, then people kind of judge us and say, man, maybe you don't have 
any feelings toward this. Maybe you don't feel the way you feel. But the Bible teaches us in the book of James that we must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So God teaches us that that we are kind of to put the brakes before we get all riled up, kind of process things. So let's, let's identify what anger is. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus labeled anger as the posture of the heart that leads to murder. It is the seed of sin that leads to the most destructive acts. Therefore, it should be, it must be removed from within us. And when I think about that and I read that part of Scripture, and it says that anger comes before someone commits murder. And I'm like, wow, that is, that is, that is just crazy to me. That we would let anger fester inside of us that could potentially lead to us taking a life. It is the seed of sin that leads us to the most destructive acts. Think about those moments where you messed up. Think about those moments where you caused hurt and pain to someone. Chances are, that derived from a seed of anger. He makes it sound like it's some sort of flesh-eating sickness or disease, right? But the truth is it may not be a flesh-eating sickness, but it is definitely a soul-destroying disease. And we need to make sure that it does not plant roots within us. We need to make sure that it does not take over our perception and perspective on life. Now, I get it. Some of you are sitting here this morning and say, hey, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not an ill-tempered person at all. Maybe, maybe you do not fly off the handle or rage when your will is frustrated. But I want you to know this, a calm demeanor is not necessarily evidence that your heart is right. A calm demeanor doesn't mean that your heart is right, that it's in tune with God's heart. So let's dive a little bit deeper into anger. Jesus spoke about a different, more toxic form of anger, and it's contempt. Contempt. His warning about insulting others is often passed over by Christians today as unimportant, as irrelevant. The insulting word that he used here was raka, R-A-C-A. And this is a dismissive and negative term of contempt in his culture that is derived from the sound of clearing spit from your throat. I don't know if you ever heard anybody clear spit from their throat, 
But it, my hair stand up every time I hear somebody do that. And Jesus says that when we have contempt for someone, he uses the word raka, that it is like, it is a negative word that comes from the clearing of your spit from your throat. This kind of contempt is different than just mere anger. Contempt seeks to diminish the inherent value of the other person. It views the other person as subhuman, not even worthy of my anger. It excludes the other person from being worthy of love, care, thought, and dignity. Church, in our culture, it is all too often, or it is all too common, excuse me, to devalue those with different political perspectives or values. It is all too common to devalue those with different ethnic backgrounds, with different uh, sexuality beliefs, economic status, or religious traditions. In fact, many of our political and media leaders build their audiences around this practice, the practice of devaluing people. Of course, we should be wise and discerning, but we must not allow our loyalty to a certain group to a certain political party, to a certain belief, right, or a set of ideas to breed contempt for those we disagree with or those who disagree with us. We've seen it for the last year and a half. We've seen it for the thousands of years before that. And if we don't do something about it now, we're going to see it into our future. We cannot let anger lead to contempt and contempt, contempt lead us down a path of destruction and devaluing God's creation. Former Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States, Antonin Scalia, was celebrated by conservatives and dreaded by progressives. Both sides recognized his brilliance and his sharpness of tongue and pen. Yet he was beloved even by his opponents. It may have been because Scalia held his beliefs without contempt for his opponents. He said, I attack ideas, I don't attack people. And some very good people have some very bad ideas. And if you can separate the two, if you cannot, excuse me, if you cannot separate the two, you got to get another day job. I believe that there should be more of us, no matter our beliefs, emulating his example. So let me wrap this up this morning. Church, anger Anger isn't always wrong. 
But it can be so destructive and dangerous that Jesus warns of the slippery slope it leads us to. Contempt. Don't confuse God's word today that you can't get riled up about injustice, that you can't get riled up about people hurting other people. It should. It should motivate us to do something positive, to build up his kingdom. It should motivate us to change our perspective and understanding and how we treat others. But when we allow our anger to turn into contempt and view someone as less than human or worthless and ignore them, the enemy has notched a victory and we have failed in our pursuit to be more like Jesus. Because here's the thing, church. When we carry contempt for another person, we believe that that person is unworthy of our attention, even our negative attention. So that person becomes invisible to us, mere background objects to neither be hated nor loved. And if they interfere with our quest or with our goals, then they should be disposed of like unwanted pests. We cannot allow our hearts to feel so indifferent toward those created in God's image. No one is ever invisible to our Father. No one is ever unworthy of His attention. Despite what they said, despite what they did, despite what they believe. When Jesus Christ was nailed on the cross, there was someone nailed right next to him. And Jesus told them, don't fret, don't worry. I got you. You too will be forgiven. You too will have access into the kingdom. No one is ever invisible or unworthy. Therefore, they cannot, they cannot be invisible and unworthy to us, church. Romans 12, 14 to 21 in the message translation says, Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. I love that scripture. Don't hit back. Discover beauty. In everyone, if you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tells us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. 
Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. Love, love that scripture. And I'll wrap it up with this last piece. Psalms 37, 8 and 9 says, stop being angry. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. So what are you angry about, church? You're angry because you haven't given it up to him. God God doesn't like ugly. He wants us to change this inside of us and not let evil catch root and grow inside of us. Do not let your next move be done out of anger. Do not let anger develop into contempt. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we bless you and we thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that every single day you see us, every single day you count us as worthy to be called your children. In fact, your word calls us a masterpiece.
thus says the Lord. Good morning, Southfield Santa Clarita. It is good to be in the house this morning. Yes, I see you are refreshed and energized. And regardless of what Frankie said, we're going to shrink wrap her and we're going to throw her down the slide. Yeah, the kids were, there was a, was a major consensus this morning. They all agreed. And uh, we have, uh, somebody's getting shrink wrap at this moment. Uh, and so we're going to have a blast. And we have a, a bag for the hair because I know you did your hair and it can't, you know, get it all together. So we're going to make it happen. It is good to be in the house this morning. So glad that you're here with us. If you're visiting for the first time or watching us online for the first time, my name is Efren Peña. I'm the campus pastor here at South Hills Santa Clarita. We are one of an incredible group of campuses throughout uh, California, actually the world. And uh, we are glad that you are here with us. My prayer is that God will grab a hold of your heart and take you on an incredible journey with us this morning. Um, if you are joining us this today, uh, maybe you've been watching online, the podcast, uh, you know that we are right smack dab in the middle of our summer series uh, titled Sounds Familiar. This sermon is based on the Sermon on the Mount, which uh, is Jesus' most famous uh, collection of teachings uh, found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And in just one sermon, just one sermon, Jesus packs, packs it all in. He teaches us on anger, forgiveness, love, generosity, caring for our neighbors, judgment, and beatitudes. And so we've been going through that over the last several weeks. And today we're going to jump into uh, this next part. Uh, today's message is based all around anger. And so my message title is A Slippery Slope Leading to Contempt. A slippery Slope leading to content. Now let me, I always like to start off with a question to get your noggin juices flow in there. Um, does anyone ever, does anyone remember uh, that one kid in elementary school who was always in trouble, right? That one kid in your class who was always misbehaving, right? Maybe that was you, Right? Maybe that was you. We're not going to point fingers at anyone this morning, but maybe that was you. But I remember so vividly the teacher, my teacher telling the other kids in the class to not pay attention to little Efren. <laughs> right? Not to pay attention to little Efren. Not to respond to little Efren because he was just looking for attention. Me? Attention? Oh, right? But the thing is that it never worked. It never worked. How could it? How could it work? How could you expect other seven and eight-year-old kids to ignore me as I curled my eyelids to the back, stuck out my tongue, and chased the ladies around? You can't ignore that. It's impossible, right? I was trying to do it this morning to show you, and I hurt my contact, so I'm not doing it, right? But it was an inc- it's impossible to ignore that. Listen, if your elementary school days and experiences were anything like mine, then it revealed a truth that Jesus communicated in the Sermon on the Mount many, many years ago. And that is that cultivating anger toward a person is dangerous, but having contempt, right, having contempt for that person is even worse. So there is anger. And there is contempt. You see, the goal of contempt is to ignore the other person altogether, as if they do not exist. And that, my friends, you don't need a 
30-minute message to know that that is not bueno. That is not what Jesus would want. Let's, let's hear what Jesus had to say. Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 37. And this is going to kind of give you this, this, this whole section towards anger and kind of, I want you to focus on the anger part, right? And he says, verse 21, you have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say to you, if you are angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of, of hell. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled with that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. When you are on the way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge and who will hand you over to an officer and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. We're going to skip the rest of the part of it. But I want you to focus on this part of Scripture that is all based on anger, right? Jesus puts a lot of emphasis and time on this topic. In fact, he spent so much time teaching on this anger that I believe that we are compelled to kind of lean in a little bit to learn and see how we can apply this this morning. Amen? Amen? Okay, just checking. I wanted to make sure. I can't see your eyes if they're closed. And plus your mask, I cannot see you, what you're doing, all right? But Jesus puts a lot of time and attention on this. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but... It feels like our entire culture, including the church, is addicted to outrage and anger these days. Over the last several months, actually almost for over a year and a half, we have seen outrage and anger expressed so vividly, whether that be on the news, whether that be in person, but we've seen it all around us. In fact, anger seems to become the acceptable, even expected sign of someone's commitment to any cause these days. If you stand for this, then it better be done in anger. You better growl at it and let people know that you really mean business. Or if you stand or if you don't like this, then you better express it as if you were an angry elf because people need to know how you really feel. I know this is going to sound crazy, but I've experienced this several times, that if I fail to show enough outrage or anger in a particular message or, or when I'm sharing my opinion about a hot topic on my social media platforms, or for that matter, if I choose not to share my opinion on that topic, I'll receive messages from other Christians, not anyone in church here, not that I want to point you out or anything, but I've received messages from other Christians, uh, both near and far away. That way we kind of generalize it here. Nobody gets offended. With uh, kind of just like they're angered by my lack of anger. You follow me? They're bothered and frustrated that I wasn't bothered and frustrated enough. 
They usually say, hey, pastor, don't you care about this? Doesn't it matter to you? Aren't you angry about that? And it sometimes makes me feel that, like, like my credibility as a, as, a, as a Christian depends on my willingness to showcase my anger. Because I'm not really a Christian if I don't growl. I'm not really a Christian if my eyebrows don't go up and my face turns red and I'm barking something. I'm not really a Christian if, if I don't take it to social media and express how I feel about the injustices of this world. In some Christian communities, particularly online, anger is so prominent and maybe even sought after, one might be confused and think that it's one of the, the, the fruits of the Spirit to be angry. Yeah. Jesus said to be angry. That's one of the fruit of the spirits. There's evidence that I'm growing by how much I express how angry I can get. So it leads me to the question, why? Why is it so accepted among us when Jesus clearly warned of anger's toxicity to our soul? When Jesus clearly spoke that if we let anger fester in, it's going to change who we are. Maybe it's our constant media consumption that, had us, that has deadened our ability to feel the more subtle human emotions. You see, in this overstimulated environment, only the sledgehammer of anger is able to get our attention. If we don't use it to convey every emotion, we are dismissed for not having emotions at all. Anybody ever feel like that? That if you don't, get, if you don't go to Facebook and tell people how you really feel, then you're not a Christian at all. Then it doesn't matter to you. If you don't talk bad about that person because what they posted or what they said, and shame on you. Shame on you for not expressing the anger and the resentment that you have inside. But here's the thing, church. The Bible teaches us in the book of James that if we, we are to, uh, you, we must all be quick to listen. Quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. In other words, as we choose to, as followers of Jesus, to go after his heart, to be more like him, to emulate him to the best way that we can, if we allow anger to be the thing that festers inside of us, then we are we're making that detour off of that road and being more like Jesus. Because we've allowed anger to kind of now dictate the road that we choose, the road that we take moving forward. So let's identify what anger is. In the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus labeled anger as the posture of the heart that leads to murder. That's deep. Anger is the posture. In other words, with the direction you see. If I, was, if I was preaching over here, right, from this section, I know people online can't see me, but you're here now and that's what that matters. 
you would all have to change and posture your head in order to see me. As if I went to the other side of the room, you would all have to change and posture your heads and your eyes in order to see me. And God is saying, man, the, it, it, the anger inside of you is moving you in the direction of murder. And I don't know about you, but that's, that's, that's a tough one right there. I just can't sweep that under the rug. Because I can remember over and over the countless of times that I have allowed myself to get angry. Not only that, it is the seed of sin that leads to the most destructive acts. In other words, when you do stupid, <laughs> some of you are getting it. When you do stupid, right, that is the seed that's already inside of you, that anger that, that makes you do stupid. Therefore, it must be removed from within us. It has no place. It has no place inside of us. As Christians, anger has no place inside of us. He makes it sound, right? God, he, he makes it sound, Jesus makes it sound like it's a, like some sort of flesh-eating disease or sickness. Now, we all know that it's not, but it definitely is a soul-destroying disease. It definitely can cause damage inside of your being. And we need to make sure that we don't get it. We need to make sure that we keep our distance from it. Now, I know, I know, I know, I know that everyone here is, is as ill-tempered as Pastor E. Everyone is calm and, and easygoing. Not everyone can, flies off the handle or has a rage when your will is frustrated. Not like Pastor E. Nobody gets mad when they honk at them for no reason. Right? Or they cut in line or they do something bad to your kids. You ever did that? Somebody get came up, oh, don't do this to me. They'd be like, oh, no, let me get my belt. I'm going out to the school. Is that just me or is you lie in church? How dare you? I get just as mad. Anyway, this is not about me. This is about you, right? And so here's the thing. Here's the thing. I get that not all of us get angry and top, you know, blow the, our tops off like that. But I want you to know that a calm demeanor is not necessarily evident that your heart is right. Being easygoing doesn't necessarily mean that that you got it all put together inside, that there's no anger festering inside of you, that there's no anger building up. So let's dive a little bit deeper into anger. Let's take it up a notch. Jesus spoke about a different, even more toxic form of anger. He called it contempt. His warning about insulting others is often passed over by Christians as, um, as unimportant, as irrelevant. Christians are infamous for making other people feel irrelevant, as if they don't exist. The insulting word he used was Raka, R-A-C-A, Raka, right? And this word is a dismissive and negative term of contempt in this uh, culture 
that is de derived from the sound of clearing spit from your throat. Yeah, that's what I thought. You ever heard somebody try to clear spit from their throat? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely horrible. In fact, it's even worse when they do it at a table. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And he uses this word to describe people who have contempt in their spirit. And when I, I listen, I, I, I just did the, re I, I didn't know this before. I did the research on this and it made my hair stand up. Because I got, now I, I will never forget it. When I hear somebody clearing their throat, I will say, Raka! But really, it's for me to be reminded that that is what happens when we have contempt in our spirits. This kind of contempt is different than just mere anger. Contempt seeks to diminish the inherent value of the other person. It views the other person as subhuman or not even worthy of my anger. It excludes the other person from being worthy of care, being worthy of thought or dignity. In our culture, it is all too co uh, common to devalue those with different political values and perspectives. In our culture, it is all too common to uh, devalue those with different ethnic backgrounds, sexuality, economic status, or religious traditions. In fact, many of our political leaders and media leaders build their audiences around this particular practice, alienating other people as if they do not exist. And I wonder how many times the church has done that. How many times the church has alienated other people, kind of had contempt for people because they didn't look like us, they didn't think like us, they didn't speak like us, they didn't talk and pray like us, they didn't worship like us. Of course, we should be wise and discerning, but we must not allow our loyalty to a certain group. Can I tell you how many Christians were divided over the president? As if that mattered as if that person was the king of kings and lord of lords, as if that person was the creator of heaven and earth, as if my soul belonged to that person. I'm not, it's not about politics. But we should be wise and discerning and not allow our loyalty to a certain group or a set of ideas to breed contempt to those who disagree with us. <clears throat> former Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States, Antonin Scalia, was celebrated by conservatives and dreaded by progressives. Both sides recognized his brilliance and his sharpness of tongue and pen. Yet he was also beloved by his opponents as well. It may have been because Scalia held his beliefs without contempt 
of his opponents. He said, I attack ideas, I don't attack people. I attack ideas, I don't attack people, and some very good people, some very good people have some very bad ideas. And if you, can, you can't separate the two, excuse me, and if you can't separate the two, then you got to get yourself another day job. I love that. And I think that all Christians should kind of emulate this regardless of how you feel, right? We can attack ideas without attacking people. So let me wrap it up this morning. Church, anger isn't always wrong, right? We, 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 there are times that we get angry. I get angry when I stub my toe. Anybody feel like that? Like that last pinky toe? Like, you, like God, God, why did you give me that last toe? It gets caught everywhere. <laughs> Especially bigger people that can't see their toes right away. <laughs> so you can get wrong. You can be mad about stubbing your toe. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But to get angry, so angry that it becomes destructive and dangerous, that Jesus warns us about this slippery slope, that it can lead us into contempt. When we allow our anger to turn into contempt and view someone as less than human or worthless and ignore them, then the enemy has already notched the victory, church. The enemy has already notched the victory in his belt and we have failed in our pursuit to be more like Jesus. In other words, we have failed to be Christ-like. We have failed to be Christians when we allow ourselves to fall into contempt. Because here's the thing, when we carry out contempt for another person, we believe that they are unworthy of our attention, even if it's negative attention. So they become invisible to us. Mere background objects. Background objects to be neither hated or loved. And if they interfere with our goals, our quest to reach and grab something, then they should be disposed of like unwanted pests. Church, we cannot allow our hearts. We cannot allow our hearts to feel so indifferent toward those created in God's image. We can't. We can't. Despite what they said, despite how they looked at you, despite what they have done, we cannot look at someone else created it in God's image with contempt. No one is ever invisible to our Heavenly Father. No one is ever unworthy of His attention. Therefore, they cannot be unworthy and invisible to us. 
Romans 12, 14 to 21, and the message translation says it's best. And I love this translation because it just speaks right to the very core of it all. And it says, bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're, when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be that great somebody. Love that scripture. It goes on to say, don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, God says God. I'll take care of it. Verse 20 to 21, our scriptures tells us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you, church. Get the best of evil by doing good. Don't let evil get the best of you. Don't let anger fester inside of you. If there's an issue with somebody, address it, resolve it, take care of it. Because if you don't, it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Eventually it will get so big that's going to hurt you and that person. I'll leave you with this Psalm 37, 8 and 9. It says, stop being angry. For those of you who got anger issues right now, for those of you who are angry with a family member, a friend, a co-worker, for those of you who are angry with your kids, your parents, people that you do life with, and maybe you're angry at me. Check this. It says, stop being angry. I know all roads lead to Jesus. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. What an encouraging word this morning. I don't know about you, but I want to clean out that yuck, that spit inside my throat. Because it does, it's no good for me. It's no good for you, church. We cannot continue to do life. We cannot continue to follow Jesus when we allow anger to park its butt inside of our chest, inside of our souls.